Looking to buy or sell a home? Make sure you have the knowledge you need with a professional home inspection from National Property Inspections Fort Wayne, covering hundreds of homes' vital systems from roof to foundation. MPI also offers radon, mold, and pest inspections to give you complete peace of mind. Plus, every home inspection comes with a free six-month warranty. NPI is a veteran-owned, family-operated business that's proud to serve our local community. Call 260-705-9835 to schedule your inspection with MPI, Fort Wayne's premier home inspection service. Get $25 off your home inspection when you mention code NPI25. Hey there, my name is Tyler Morningstar, and I'm here with my co-host and mom, Carrie Morningstar. This is the Selling Fort Wayne podcast. This podcast is focused on all things real estate related in and around the Fort Wayne area. We'll also touch on some community events and some community outreach as well. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hey there. Happy anniversary, baby. <laughs> Got you on my mind. Tyler, I had to do this. It's Tyler's anniversary. How long have you, you been sitting on that holding one? Holding it Did you wake up this day. morning going, I know what I'm going to do today. All day. I've been holding it. I've been holding it going, when am I going to tell him happy anniversary? <laughs> 10 years. 10 years with my wife today. Happy anniversary, Stephanie. Um, okay. That won't be in our show. Yes, no. it will. Okay. We're, we're keeping gonna... it. Might yeah. keep it in there. Okay. Welcome to the Selling Fort Wayne podcast. I am your host, Tyler Morningstar, with my co-host and what? You always forget to say, and mother. Yes. What's your name? <laughs> Carrie Morningstar. Carrie Morningstar. Carrie's been selling real estate since 1917. She just figured out how an <laughs> iPhone works three weeks ago. So if you want to get in touch with her, don't bother. She doesn't know how to do it. She still uses the Pony Express. So give me a call instead. <laughs> Snail mail. It's all snail mail. No, go ahead and give me a call. 260-433. I know how to use the phone perfectly well. You remember rotary phones? I sure I love do. that. I think it's Louis C.K. The joke where like, he, you just didn't call people with zeros because it just took so long to get back around. Like, I'm not calling that guy. Anyway, hey, we've got a really good guest today. We have, I would say, arguably the authority in title work. Absolutely. In the Fort Wayne area, for sure. I mean, the OG, if I have a serious, serious problem with title work, I I reach for her, her phone number every time. She's the goat. She's the goat. You want to introduce our guest? Absolutely. It's such a pleasure, Margaret, to introduce you because I've known you for so long. There's been Columbia Street title. I mean, there's I've known you a long time. Did you guys and- go through the Great Depression together? <laughs> No, we rode dinosaurs together. <laughs> but I've, I've known you for a long time, but the beauty of it is we are friends as well. And Absolutely. that is very important to me. I'm grateful and thankful for you. But also, not only for your friendship, but because of all the wealth you have with title insurance. So this is Margaret Sklenar from Metropolitan Title, and she's here today as our honored guest to give us information in regards to what in the heck is title insurance. Can I ask an unrelated question real quick? Well, let Margaret introduce herself. Well, I have a question for Margaret. Okay. Is your last name, is it Swedish? No, it's actually Czechoslovakian. Czechoslovakian. Okay. Just curious. Okay. That was my, that was my question. <laughs> okay. 
that's it for the day. That's it, I'm done. Margaret, would you like to tell them a little bit about yourself and Metropolitan Title, please? Absolutely. So I am an older vintage of my dear friend, Carrie Morningstar. <laughs> I knew her long before her son was around, treating her like crap um, on live radio <laughs> or a podcast. So I just want to say that actually she has raised him well. He is very nice and considerate of his mother. But I go back a long way, like Carrie said, and I've been doing this for more than 40 years, this profession, which is actually title selling title insurance and closing real estate transactions. And I am one of the owners of Metropolitan Title. I have owned multiple title companies throughout my 40 plus year career. And in all honesty, I love my job and I love what I do all day long. I'm a servant and I help consumers get to the closing table and I get them to help them accomplish the ultimate American dream. And I have the utmost respect for realtors because without them, we would never get this job done. So, and I didn't get paid to say that either. So I really mean it. No kickback on this end. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know about Carrie. No Starbucks card here. <laughs> so um, anyway, I have I've been able to settle real estate transactions, commercial and residential for many, many years. And it is a blast to work for the public and to help people get into homes. Can I ask a question now? Yeah, sure. I can do one more. You, well, I might let a few more okay. since it's your anniversary. All right, thanks. Okay, so my question is for a listener out there, when, when, when you say title work, like we understand what that is. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of explain to the average citizen who maybe hasn't bought a house in a long time or they haven't bought a house yet, like what what is title work and why is it important? Well, title work is also called title insurance. In all reality, and people forget about this about me, I'm an insurance agent. I sell an insurance product and I actually sell a couple of them. One is title insurance for when somebody buys a home we ensure that the, all the past title transactions were kosher, that all the ownership got transferred properly, that all the liens got paid off, that all the taxes got paid, that every owner transferred their interest in the real estate. And so we issue an owner's policy to ensure the new buyer that what they spent all that money for, they're not going to have any legal problems about the ownership. We then sell, if the buyer is going to get a mortgage, then we also sell a mortgage policy simultaneously or in conjunction with that owner's policy. And we also insure their lender of the same issues. Their lender wants to be assured that they're in a first lien position, that they hold the first mortgage on the property. So we insure that as well. The other service that we sell is closing the transaction. Years ago, the banks used to close their own transactions, but with the disappearance of, of uh, state lines of banking laws, a lot of the lenders that buyers use aren't even in our footprint. They're not here. And they're not in the state of Indiana. They're not in the county of Allen. They're nowhere. So we facilitate the closing. We make When we run the title work, we make sure that we show if there's any mortgages that have to be paid off, we pay off the mortgages. If there's taxes owing, we pay the taxes. If there's a federal tax lien, we pay the federal tax lien. 
Anything that needs to be resolved in order to make sure that we comply with that purchase agreement in which the seller states that they're going to deed the property free and clear and of any liens and encumbrances, that's what we do. We ensure that closing part of that transaction. And as that piece as well, we record all the documents to ensure that the people are placed in title and that the first mortgage is in a first lien position. So really, when a buyer comes to closing, you know, a lot of people think that we make a lot of money for doing a lot of nothing because we breeze into a closing with a stack full of documents and we shake everybody's hand and we have everybody sign, sign, sign. And then we shake their hand after we make copies and pass out checks and everybody goes their own way. The buyer gets the keys and everybody's happy, happy, happy. Well, our work didn't just start there. And our work isn't finished there because we've ensured the transaction and we have to make sure that all the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and all the legalities are taken care of. So we make it look really easy, but it takes a long time sometimes to get these titles scrubbed clean of liens and encumbrances, and that's what we do. You know, Margaret, I had somebody ask me this who was moving from Illinois, and they were closing here in Fort Wayne, and they said, where's the attorney? And I said, we don't have uh, attorneys who come and represent you at a closing at the title. And they said, why not? Could you explain why not? Absolutely. You know, it depends on the area. It's, It's kind of funny with the closing of real estate transactions. Every little burg and every area has its own... Um, idiosyncrasies, if you will. So in some locations, buyers and sellers close together. In some locations, buyers would never close with sellers and they all close separately. In other states, Indiana is not an escrow state, but in some escrow states like California, the closing happens, the money's tendered, But really, none of the money is passed out for proceeds or any other payment until the deed's recorded, the mortgage is recorded, all the liens are paid off, and and all of the releases tendered. That's called closing an escrow. We don't do that in Indiana. Now, some areas still have attorneys come to closing. We actually welcome attorneys. We think we think attorneys are and can be a, a big asset to a closing because, quite frankly, lenders prepare documents, title companies print documents and prepare their own documents. We all think we're doing the right thing, but often an attorney can catch something that perhaps is vital to the transaction that gets overlooked, whether were rushed, which you all know how that happens every day. I just came from a closing, actually. It was a commercial closing, and the buyer had negotiated with the seller to take back a mortgage. And so there was a mortgage and a note. The buyer had their attorney prepare the the note, and we get to the closing table, and the seller's attorney comes to the table. You, You know, a lot of times on commercial files, the attorneys still come, and the maturity date on the note was incorrect and the maturity date on the mortgage was something different. So not having an attorney can be a detriment. Um, We welcome them, like I said, but it's just not customary for attorneys to come in Fort Wayne, Indiana. 
Now, I can talk about some of my older attorney friends who used to come years ago. That was what happened in Allen County is people wouldn't come to a closing without an attorney. Some of those attorneys still come. Hmm. We think it's great when they come. So let me, let me touch on something that you mentioned. I'm sure that you know a lot of first-time home buyers. If you're if they're listening, the three of them that are listening, um, hear that word escrow. What does that mean? Can you explain to them what is escrow? Absolutely. So escrow. It's funny. It's one of those terms that means different things in different connotations. So when you're talking about closing. What happens is because we're also an escrow company, and what that really means on the closing side is that we are the unbiased party. We don't represent a buyer. We don't represent a seller. We don't represent an attorney, a lender, nobody. We are hired to be the unbiased party that puts together the settlement statement based on the contract, the purchase agreement, the legal binding contract, as well as the closing instructions, as well as utilizing the title commitment to clear up any liens and judgments. That's what actually puts the closing statement together, are those three in, those three pieces of, of the puzzle. And then on top of that, we then get the documents from the lender and the lender asks us to hold those in escrow. In other words, they ask us to not have them signed or do anything with them until the day of the closing. They also, usually the day before closing or the day of closing, they will wire us the loan proceeds and they ask us to hold that in escrow. And so we hold all these documents and all this money in escrow until we can actually consummate the closing. And the closing is consummated when the buyer and the seller sign their documents, the money's tendered, and the closing is finished and the documents get placed of record. That is one term of escrow. Another term of escrow that gets flung around a lot in our profession is, if particular, if you have something like new construction and the, the yard isn't finished when it comes time to, uh, to close because it's December and it's Indiana and we can't put the yard in yet, obviously. Or if you, the day of before closing, you do a final inspection and some repairs aren't done as prescribed in the purchase agreement or the amendments to the purchase agreement, sometimes we'll be asked to hold money away from the seller to satisfy those items that are unfinished until such time that those things can be done and the contract is actually finished and consummated. And then we can disperse those funds, quote unquote, out of escrow and pay the seller back the money he wasn't able to get at closing because of the unfinished items. So, or sometimes, you know, the term escrow is used with documents. For instance, if you're going to buy um, a piece of property and you're going to buy it on land contract, sometimes the attorneys will send us a deed to the new buyer, but the new buyer obviously hasn't paid off or fulfilled the land contract payment. So they'll ask us to hold that executed document in escrow until such time as the contract has been satisfied and then we can record the document. So that term escrow is a very well-used term to mean a lot of different things in the real estate process. I can understand, and I do understand, why the, the seller needs title insurance. Why does a buyer need title insurance? I've had that asked to me. Why, why do I need insurance? 
Well, the new buyer is going to be the one that ends up with the real estate. And they're also going to be the ones, in most cases, that are going to get a loan to purchase that real estate. So I'm going to answer this question with a, a, a little story. It's not really a story. This happened just a few weeks ago, actually, to one of our agents in the Fort Wayne market. So he was a he represented a buyer on a transaction in which the buyer paid cash for a piece of property. And about eh, two, three months after the closing, one night he was at the property working. He was fixing it up to move into, and someone knocked on the door. And it was the guy, and he said, he asked uh, the guy that uh, we closed, he said, what are you doing in my house? And the guy was taken a little aback, and he said, well, I paid for this house. And he said, I have a deed to it. And he said, well, that's funny. I have a deed to the property as well. And the guy that knocked on the door brought a deed out that 10 years before, the property was deeded to him, but the deed wasn't recorded. It wasn't a matter of record. Mm. So now there's a lawsuit. He's, He's filing suit against our buyer, saying that he has rights to the property. So that's one reason to get title insurance because actually your title insurer will defend any claim that someone makes against you saying you don't own the real estate. You know, or for instance, you know, a lot of the reasons to buy this insurance is really because of different circumstances that happen in the real estate transaction. I mean, even as long as I've closed loans, the 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 job is so fascinating to me because every transaction is so different in its legalities and its buyers and sellers. But I got a call from an agent here in this office. Oh gosh, I don't even remember now, just a few months ago. And she says, What are we gonna do? My seller died yesterday and we're three days from closing. Mm. Well, we have to close. I understand that. But he owned the property by himself. So Indian, you have to know Indiana law too. And I'm not an attorney, but I've just done it long enough that I do understand some of the workings of the, the mechanics of this. So in the state of Indiana, once you pass away, if you own the property by yourself... There is, and and those, have you both written a will? Do you have a will of your own? Yes, I do. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in that will, when you signed that will, it says, number one, you're of sound mind. I'm looking at the two of you. I think that's a little questionable. Particularly this (laughs) one. (laughs) But then it also says that your last bills will be paid. Well, in the state of Indiana, there is a a few-month time frame that goes by that all creditors have the ability to lay claim to any of your assets or your estate to get their bills settled. So in her particular instance, the only way we were going to be able to get that closed was to wait the time frame for that to pass for creditors to come forth. Well, she has to close in three days, so that wasn't an option. So the only thing that we could do or recommend was to have an estate open because then the estate becomes the owner of the real estate, we're able to close, the check gets tendered to the estate, and then the estate waits the time frame for to pass before they distribute assets out of the estate and they can close the estate. So, you know, or in that particular instance, um, you know, if we had waited, then the heirs then fall in title. 
Now, I wonder if the heirs have judgments. If you wait the time frame and the heirs have judgments now, three or four people that never owned the real estate before owned the real estate. I wonder if one of them has a $50,000 judgment against them. Hmm. Could be a big problem. I mean, there's so many layers to this thing. Why wouldn't you buy insurance? Mm-hmm. And most buyers and sellers only do this once or twice in their lifetime. It's a one-time fee, and it's often lenders finance it as part of their closing cost. And it is you can rest at night, not worried that people are going to come knocking at your door with some kind of a bill or saying you don't own the real estate. I mean, I probably have thousands of stories I could tell you about why they should get title insurance. Margaret, I thought in the state of Indiana, you had to have title of work just to close. You do not. Or title insurance. You don't have to have title insurance to close, but you're not going to find a title company that's going to close because there is a state law that says that we, if we're going to close anything, we have to issue what's called a closing protection letter. Well, that closing protection letter is an insurance product that's tied to a policy. And because it's tied to a policy and it's an insurance product, if you don't buy the insurance product, we can't close the transaction. Does the mortgage company, is that a requirement for them though too because you're insuring their their first lien? The mortgage company, believe it or not, many, many, many years before the state of Indiana called for the um, closing protection letter to be offered to the buyer and seller, it was always offered to the lender. The lender will never send money for a closing without a CPL Okay, ever. Good to know. Yeah. Well, I had a, a seller two years ago. They went to sell their house and, you know, we ordered title work and there were three liens in their house from the previous owner that didn't get caught. And so their title insurance kicked in and took Not care of Not at Margaret's. That would never happen, but... Well, actually, no, but Metro is the ones who we took care it. of it. Yeah, he caught it. Oh, okay. But yeah, so they were like, you have liens. And they were like, what are you talking about? There's three of them. And they weren't inexpensive ones. And it was like, thank goodness they had title insurance. Absolutely. You so know. is that how that works, Margaret, for the listener who's wanting to know, what, is that why one of the reasons you get title insurance too? Because that's the part of the protection? It is part of the protection because, you know, every company, we are very fortunate in this area to have great people that settle title. But we all depend on our examiners and the information available at the courthouse to us in order to catch all of the liens and all of the judgments. And sometimes something falls through the crack. And when it does, your people didn't have to come up with that money. Mm-mm. The people that had to come up with the money were the, was the, the policy that covered your seller. Mm-hmm. And that's how that works. And those get paid off and those get eradicated and it doesn't cost your person any money. And uh, that title insurance also covers any and all attorney fees to defend. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? Do, do you go after that past seller? Or it's just a done deal. Actually, you go, you turn in a claim on your title policy. It's kind of like your homeowner's insurance in a way. You turn in a claim, and then the insurance company settles. I see. Mm-hmm. I so see. it's a process, but it has worked for many, many, many years. Title insurance has been around since like 1848. Long That's when time. you started. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's why Margaret is the super sleuth of title insurance. She finds it all. Do I get my little... There it is. See what I deal with. It's horrible. The problem is it's unending. 
Margaret. The, the other. That was actually sorry, wrong, wrong button. That one. Thank you. From the time you started till now, real estate has changed tremendously. I mean, I, um, I'm sure you remember when we had one or two page purchase agreements and they were a carbon copy. And I see the people now carbon copy them. They go, what is that? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> you know a carbon copy. Explain that. Anyways, from where you started to where you are today, is there more legality issues? Are there just more just buyer beware issues? How, how would you term the difference? I mean, I know we've, you know, just the growth in general, but how would you term some of those differences? You know, when I started settling real estate transactions, seriously, we only closed those transactions in our own county. And back then, the banks would not make a loan to anybody that didn't have a minimum of 20% down. They didn't feel that if you didn't have a savings account and you didn't show that you could save money, then you were not going to be given an opportunity to buy a home and get a mortgage. So, you know, the beauty about real estate is no matter what programs are around or what's going on in the industry or the economy, we always find ways to settle real estate. So, you know, there's cash and there's contracts and all kinds of different things. You know, back in the day, we used to have abstracts and attorney's opinions. Title insurance wasn't even a thing until probably the mid-70s. And that all came into play when, when lenders started selling their mortgages. I mean, that's a whole nother topic. But, you know, so it has changed dramatically. We, we used to go to the closing table and we'd have a settlement statement. And when RESPA was formed back in the, in the early 70s, we then had a good faith estimate. But we, like you said, we had a, a short settlement statement that had copy paper in the middle of it. And we actually wrote out the settlement statement at the closing table because back then we took personal checks. You could trust everybody. There, It was a very uncomplicated process. But once the government got involved and the, the loans started to be sold and different insurers came into effect in different programs like Indiana Housing and FHA and USDA. I mean, I can rattle off a bazillion of these programs. Things became very complicated. And I think a lot of that came into being to allow all Americans to have an opportunity to buy a home. And I think we've seen through the failing of the mortgage market back in 2008 through 2012, maybe every American shouldn't have an opportunity to own a home. Or if they do, there needs to be some education to that, to have that buying power again. But, you know, today we see lawsuits. We see so many people so angry about so many things. And quite frankly, real estate has really changed because... You know, it used to be people would dress up and come to closing. It was a day in which families celebrated with each other. They took off work. They wore their best clothes. They had family dinners to celebrate the fact that their children were able to buy a home. I mean, it was a big deal. Today, less than probably 50, 40% of our closings, the people don't even come to closing. In fact, the sellers, all they want to know is when their money's going to be wired to them. They're very put out that we have 
imagine this, legal documents that have to be signed and they can't docu-sign them because that has become a thing. And all buyers want to know is how much money they have to bring to closing, what their payment is and where's their keys. It has really become, it's become a whole different cultural event to buy a house as compared to even 30 years ago. It's just not a big deal now. And unfortunately, I work, you know, I sit on the other side. I'm the insurer. You know, we have claims, we have lawsuits. We see what people do to each other. These these things are not going to go away. They are very important to a real estate transaction. You know, when I hire people, I tell them you won't even feel comfortable in your own skin until three to five years after you've been in this business because you can go to school, you can get a license, but until you start settling these transactions and experiencing all the layers of what goes on to getting a closing to the table, you're not going to understand. I I always tell staff when I train them, I can't wait to get to watch when you get to that moment that lightning comes up through your feet and you are just mesmerized because you finally have this aha moment that you, oh my God, I think I understand real estate today. It It is an amazing thing, but it takes time. You know, so it's it's a very complex business, and those people that treat it lightly are not doing their consumers any favors, and they're certainly not doing their industry any favors. It is a very serious business with fabulous consequences if it's done correctly. Well, I want to give a shout out to Margaret and her company because... Margaret has closed loans on a car hood for me. <laughs> she has closed ho- homes at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning. She has drove to cities outside of Allen County to close at 7, 8 o'clock at night. That is customer service, and you're not going to find another title company that will do that. I can assure you that. And so when Margaret brought up people not coming to closing. It's amazing how many people do remote closing and your company can do that as well. Yeah, we can do that. You know, it's the state of Indiana back in 2019 passed what's called the remote online notary legislation. And please don't confuse it with DocuSign because it's anything other than that. But it's a mechanism in which we can electronically notarize documents for people all over the United States. It is a separate notary process. I have, I've been a regular notary for years, but I'm what's called a RON notary, remote online notary. And there's certain verbiage that has to go into those documents. There's uh, only certain platforms that are approved by the state of Indiana. We actually use a program called Notarize, which ironically has a DocuSign function to it. Mm. But when it comes time to notarize the documents, it's anything but that. It has a two-factor authentication because that's a big concern about remote notaries is making sure that we do have the right identities. So there's questions that are asked by a third party just to ascertain that we have the right people at the table. They still have to bring their ID to the table. The thing I like about that remote notary is the documents go to the parties ahead of time. So they have an opportunity to look at those. That's a little unusual as to how real estate is settled today. 
But when they get ready to sign, when we set up their actual session to sign, it takes the whole process maybe takes 90 seconds. Wow. It's amazing. They attach their signature. I attach my notary. All their questions were answered ahead of time. We can actually ask the realtor. The realtor can adhere to Indiana law. They can come to, they can be a party to our closing remotely. Hmm. And it's a really great process. Now, right now, we're doing that. Eh, probably 70 to 90 times a month with sellers who are not coming to closing. And we we started doing that, gosh, probably actively a year and a half ago because what we want to do is to be very good at it when lenders finally come up to speed. I mean, when you look at a lender package, sometimes these packages are 200 pages. Well, to get all those documents into a format that they can be remotely signed and notarized is a big feat for a lender. We have some lenders now that are doing some variations of remote documentation and remote signing, but they still have a mortgage and a note and some other documents that still require a wet signature. But I would say in the next three to five years, most lenders will be to the point that we'll be able to do those documents electronically. And what we are looking at and what we wonder is what is a closing going to look like three years from now or five years from now? Mm. Are we going to have remote closing rooms? Are we going to be closing at lenders' offices? Are we going to be sitting at home in our pajamas settling real estate? Are, are we going to have people that actually work from 12 noon to nine o'clock at night because most of these people aren't going to want to sign anything until after they get the kids to bed and dinner's ready. I mean, I think it's going to be a very dramatic shift in how real estate is settled in the future. I've waited a long, long time for us not to have all the documents that we have at closing. When you think about it now, I pay a bazillion dollars a year to have a bazillion pieces of paper carted into my shops <laughs> so that we can print everything off so that people can sign it so I can run back to a scanner, scan it in and throw it all away other than a note and a mortgage. And then I have to pay a professional company to come and shred it. I mean, yeah. it is the dumbest process <laughs> Save <laughs> the trees. Yeah. We know, Margaret, Metropolitan adapted so well during COVID because that in itself was, you know, who knew how that was going to work out? And you did right. so well. It was hard to believe that real estate could carry on the way it did uh, during COVID for both the realtor being able to show homes because we were one of the only states that were able to still show homes, but yet how clever you became in closing them. So I'm sure adaptability is not going to be an issue. You've been around the block, Margaret. You're going to get this figured out in a moment's notice, I'm sure. We'll get there, and I'll tell you, we are not going to skip a beat. We never have, and we never will. That's uh, I love Metropolitan, and I love Margaret, too. Thank you. Margaret, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sorry, did you have any other questions? <laughs> I reached my quota. I went above it, so I think I'm good. No, this was good. This was informative, and thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us. Thanks for having me. Yes. So how would they get a hold of Metropolitan, Margaret? Phone number is 260-497-9469, or um, my cell phone is 260-410-8365. Hey, one thing we neglected to say real quick, you, you have a lot of offices. You have a lot of places people can go and close, not just Allen County. You're north 
your south? I have 15 offices in our footprint. We are all the way from Laporte, Elkhart, Mishawaka, Angola, Bluffton, Lafayette, Kokomo, Monticello, Logansport. I'm forgetting somebody. North, South, and Fort Wayne. She didn't name you. You're Warsaw. all fired. Sorry. Warsaw and Syracuse. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. And I'll tell you, it's not really the locations we have. It's the staff that really care. And they are the ones that really make this happen on a daily basis. They sacrifice they, everything they have to get people to the table and to serve. And that's true because I've had some of, of Margaret's staff emailing me at nine o'clock at night for the closing for tomorrow. And you just don't get that kind of customer service everywhere, I can assure you. Well, thank you. So again, Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. Tyler, I hope you have a happy anniversary. Thanks, Mom. No problem, son. <laughs> All righty. This is uh, Tyler signing off with Carrie. And if you need anything real estate related, give us a call, particularly me. Mom doesn't know how to open an iPhone yet. So... 260-410-8294. Yeah. Our information is in the show notes. And thank you so much. 